Deep Dive, a podcast of CGT Radio. We go beyond headlines with reporters from around the world. Search for Deep Dive on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, or wherever you listen. Take a deep dive into the news every week. Hear our conversations. Discussion keeps the world turning. This is Roundtable. You're listening to Roundtable coming to you from Beijing. I'm Lai Ming. Coming up on today's show, we just marked the World Reading Day on Sunday. Now there is an update on the reading habits of Chinese people. Let's find out on who is reading what. Meanwhile, China's young office workers or slash internet users are sharing their opinions on a strange phenomenon where employees are reluctant or find it inappropriate or stressful to ask for a leave. Is there a stigma attached to taking days off? Do you grow anxious at the thought of asking your boss for a leave? Do you feel extra pressure to please your colleagues after taking a few days away from work? Let us know what you think about our topics, or tell us what you want to hear about by writing to us at ezfmroundtable@foxmail.com, or leave your comments for us at Roundtable China on Apple Podcasts. Now on Roundtable, a new report on the reading habits of Chinese people. For this discussion, I'm joined by Huang Shan and Fei Fei in the studio. First thing on the agenda, Huang Shan,、uh, do we know who came up with this report, and could you provide us with a summary of this report? So here is a report from the e-commerce platform Zhangdao, which recently published a 2023 national reading insight.、Uh, the report analyzed the trend of the consumption quantity and category of books in 2022, which aims to gain insights into people's preference of books.、Uh, there are some highlights. For example,、uh, more book buyers. Are seen in emerging first-tier cities. Besides, you know,、uh, the first-tier cities which are Beijing, Shanghai, Guangzhou, and Shenzhen. It seems like、uh, cities which are smaller than the first-tier cities. People in these cities are.、Uh, Buying books more often than before. What's more is that、uh, we all know that there is a long list of merits of reading, and based on this particular report, it seems like people、uh, feel when they are reading that will give them a higher sense. Of fulfillment and satisfaction towards life and work. So, for more specific figures, I also found another report, which is report which is conducted by、uh, the Chinese Academy of Press and Publication in Beijing. So, that survey was released、uh, earlier this month. And according to that survey, it said that、uh, in 2022, Chinese adults read an average of around 4.78 paper books and 3.33 electronic books. In comparison, the figures in 2021 were around 4.7 and 3.3, respectively. Also, on average, underage people read around 11.14 books, up from 10.93 in 2021. And if we go deeper in the Portrait of readers. It seems like urban residents read around 5.6 paper books on average, and adults in the rural areas read 3.7, up from 3.76 the previous year. 
And another interesting finding is that audiobooks and book analysis videos became new choices among readers.、Mm-hmm. That's quite interesting. So the number of books that Chinese people read have more or less stabilized: four point seven ish for、uh, paper books and three point three ish for electronic books. And Fei Fei,、uh, what part of the report are you most attracted to? What do you find most impressive? I think it's、uh, what kind of book people prefer. Like what, what? For example, the according to the report by Dangdang dot com, which is one of the major e-commerce platform for people to purchase books、mm-hmm. in China, is that more people are reading books themed, for example, on mental health、mm-hmm. and also on traditional cultures, and that sort of reflects what the current Chinese population. Are concerned in their lives. For example, in the cases of the pandemic, and a lot of uncertainties, and people are starting started to face in daily life, and then they are probably facing challenges like anxiety, insecurity, or other mental health issues. And then, books can be considered as a reliable source source for people who are seeking solutions. And common themes on these books can be include like. Um, Self care or seeking inner peace is kind of reflect what we were thinking when we are in during sort of stuck in the stuck in the pandemic and the problems people face in daily life. And also when it comes to traditional cultures, that more people, especially young people, have paid more attention in try to understand the traditional Chinese cultures from、mm-hmm. different aspects. For example, they want to understand the po- the ancient poetry, and there are a lot of books on the explaining and analyze of this poetry for like hundreds and thousands of years old. And there are also more books on history. And for example, there's one book called Tracing the Origin of China, tells the rise of the Central Plains Civilization, which is based basically around the Henan Shanxi. Provinces right now, and that's considered the origin of the some of the Chinese cultures. And I think when it comes to different localities, for example, for people in Tibet or in Mongolia,、mm. they are also tailor-made lo-、uh, books on their local cultures, and that also gained quite a popularity locally because, of course, people in those regions want to understand more about their own cultures. Culture and there are also more publications introducing some of the histories and traditions of their own culture as well. Quite interesting. Here in China, we have a saying: "Zhi xue xian zhi shi." If you want to pursue a career in in study, like、uh, those scholars in ancient times,、uh, most likely you want to start with history. And here in China, we do have a rather long history lasting for thousands of years. So it's only natural for Those of us who want to understand our traditional culture, just begin with history. Another issue that's quite interesting this year that caught my eye is that,、uh, like I said earlier, the number of books that Chinese people read have more or less stabilized. But then、uh, there is the dynamism appears to be happening in in. Uh, uh, Semi-first-year cities. I mean,、mm. um, that's that's where the growth is seen. That's where we're seeing double-digit growth. In fact,、uh, mm. this year over the past few years, and so,、uh, but undoubtedly, I mean, people in first-year cities they are still the、uh, the group of people who read the most. But the dynamism coming from、uh, semi-first-year cities, I mean, that's quite interesting. Why do you think people、uh, there would like to read more as compared to f- a few years ago? 
I think maybe they have more time, you know, for people who are living in first-tier cities. Very likely, they would like to read more. However, the、uh, stress related to work could be more intense compared to people who are working in,、uh, you know, emerging first-tier cities or. Well, traditionally, second-tier cities,、um, and what's more is about people turn to books for different reasons.、Mm-hmm. So, as earlier,、uh, Fei Fei mentioned that some people are turning to psychological-related books,、uh, which means they just want to learn some professional knowledge. Maybe they're going through burnout, and maybe they、uh, want to let off steam by reading such books and trying to find a solution or trying to find ways to cope with、uh, their inner stress or anxiety. Society.、Uh, other people they turn to books for、um, expand their knowledge or the knowledge base because they would like to learn more. It seems like many people they are very anxious when they're anxious about their achievement or development. They like to read a little bit more because you know we can learn a lot of things from a book. It can broaden your、uh, horizon. It can boost your creativity. And sometimes you do need to. Uh, be inspired by certain authors or certain cons- content. So that's the reason why reading is so important. And for people who are not happy or who are not satisfied with their status quo, they are turning to books for an answer. Sometimes maybe the book can tell them、uh, what you can do, or、mm-hmm. you can equip yourself with a new skill set. And sometimes you can learn more things from reading,、um, or from the very simple reason that it can help. You to focus and concentrate—that's the power and magic of books. So I think people turn to books for different reasons, and sometimes they just read it for a rigid amount. So when we're talking about book sales, we cannot forget there's one specific category、mm-hmm. in、uh, the collection of books that is like. Ah,、uh, textbook related,、uh-huh. you know, books, for, which for means kids, yeah, school students. It can assist your. Academic performance, and it can help you to learn more knowledge or the so-called textbook knowledge、uh, attached to your curriculum. So I think no matter in first-tier cities or any tier cities, I feel like people are still reading for that demand, which is like the text, the、uh, well, the. The, the so-called the textbook assisted books or some I don't know how to give it a very official translation. 教辅类 yeah so,、um, yeah. Uh, what what's the right word for it?、Uh, Extracurriculum, subsidiary right <laughs> reading <laughs> or supplementary reading. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I think for me, when looking at the fastest growth when it comes to consumers in these emerging first-tier cities like. The cities we're talking about here are basically Hangzhou, Xiamen, Wuhan, Suzhou, or Zhengzhou. You know, the the ones who are expanding have been expanding pretty fast over the past few years. In terms one, of population and GDP. Yes, one of the reasons actually because of a lot of young workers have moved to these cities、mm-hmm. after working for a few years in the. Traditional first-tier cities like Beijing and Shanghai, and I think that's also one of the reasons why these cities are seeing a lot of growth in in recent years. And also、uh, looking at the places, you know, where these people are reading in different cities. For example, in first-tier cities and the emerging first-tier cities, people are mostly reading on transport. 
like in their commuting, like in ways, subways or buses. Yes, exactly. And compared to second or third tier cities, people are mostly reading in, at home or in offices. At a tea house. Yeah, at a you, you know <laughs> at a, a set place, which is more relaxed compared to you know, uh, in Beijing, people are reading in a crowded subway and trying、mm-hmm. to find a small space. So the fact that the people in semi first tier cities are reading more, and that's where we are seeing the biggest growth in terms of the book purchase. Does it? Say that maybe people in、uh, semi-fastier cities are also picking up pace, and perhaps they are taking after the lifestyle of those of us who are already living in fastier cities. I think that also kind of reflects the lifestyles that they adopted when they were working or living in fastier cities like、mm-hmm. Beijing and Shanghai, and also for these cities like. Chengdu and Hangzhou. A lot of the smaller businesses there were actually focused on more trendy or new industries. Like the live streamers are mostly located in Hangzhou or Chengdu. Okay. Compare, you know, with Beijing or Shanghai, and they also need reading to sort of as a learning channel to learn about, for example, how to run a business, how to learn about the market, how to do marketing,、mm-hmm. and that's one of the main themes. When it comes to people, readers in big cities, that they are、oh. looking quite in depth into their respect field. For example, there are people in finance; they would prefer books in those in finance as well, or in management, or in technology, or in economy, economics, economics, and. That that are sort of the main themes for people in first year big cities, but compared to like people in second or, in, or third or even smaller towns, they are more focused on novels or literature or success studies or, as Huangshan mentioned, on exam on educating the kids.、Mm-hmm. So you are seeing that like these different. Uh, channels people are taking、mm-hmm. and what they are after from books.、Mm-hmm. So I, th- I guess in this regard, we can、uh, tentatively conclude that maybe at, the, at these、uh, semi-fastier cities, people are experiencing some kind of a transition where、uh, they used to enjoy life and then read books and sit, sip tea, maybe at a tea house. Now the kind of jobs that they get, I mean, the kind of requirements they get from their job,、uh, actually might have more demand on their level of. Professionalism, and therefore they have to、uh, do some reading、uh, in, in their after hours to try and pick up the pace.、Mm, exactly, and and also, but I think、um, there are also people who read books out of. Just pure satisfaction, like they're not really after for anything material that can be generated from reading.、Mm-hmm. They just want to enjoy reading, and I think that also sort of answers back into. People who are reading more on mental health is that a lot of people are thinking. For example, who people who read success studies, I don't think they actually believe that by reading these books, I'm going to be successful. But I think it's just the the mindset these books sort of are delivered that is quite uplifting and is quite promising, and it, it sort of shows you that your future is promising and you are going to have a good future. It's something like that. It's a happy ending story. Yes, it's it's, <laughs> it's that that people are after. Not exactly that, like they're really looking into these books and to see. 
see how I can get successful by reading it.、Mm-hmm. And sometimes reading is the best cheap or free entertainment you can get.、Mm-hmm. And also now we're talking about the differences between a book consumers in first tier cities or、uh, second tier cities. So. These are the figures gathered from an e-commerce platform. So, which means very likely we are doing the calculation based on the sales of paper copies.、Mm-hmm. I feel like in first-tier cities, based on my own observation in Beijing, many people are turned to e-books,、yeah. which means you just have your、uh, e-reader and then you just、uh, purchase the digital version of the book and download it into your e-readers.、Uh, I think maybe due to the hot, the fast pace of life, many white collar workers in the cities and they don't have the luxury to bring a paper copy with them, like on the commute. I mean, the、whatever. subway can be very crowded. Sometimes,、yeah. if especially recently, I find sometimes I'll put a Kindle into my 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 backpack, and it's really hard for me to take it out because、oh. the subway is overcrowded. You don't have a space to, well. To enjoy your reading in a very comfortable way, it's not saying you can secure a seat on the subway ride and then take out your e-reader and read. So I have to say, many people they may need to squeeze their、uh, quality me time at night to read for a few chapters or a few pages.、Um, it depends on what you want from this reading experience, and what's more is about the relation between.、Uh, Reading and、uh, the short video platforms. I think、yeah. in an earlier episode we talk about book talk. You know, this is a very big trend, no matter in China or in、uh, elsewhere in Western countries. Maybe、uh, in Western countries it's called book talk because they're using TikTok.、Uh, but in China, I think many people are using either Douyin or Kuaishou or even the Little Red Book. They、mm. would like to share. Book-related content on such platforms. I think it's a great trend because I mean it's you. It means that people are passionate about reading again, no matter what's the format. At least you are nurturing this interest, and you are making it trendy, fashionable, or sometimes social media worthy. So for those very shallow readers, I don't really care about what's the content, but I like to portray myself as a very intellectual person. Then maybe gradually you will find the beauty of reading. So you're you're referring to、uh, maybe、uh, casual readers who don't care that much about the seriousness of、uh, serious literature. I mean, how the author tries to build up the momentum or the build up the suspense and try how he or she develops a storyline. Maybe the casual reader simply just want to know what happened in the story,、mm. and therefore, so there's a market on short video streaming platforms where people would come up with, let's say. Eight minutes to show you what happens in War and Peace. <laughs> and sometimes you need these recommendations because we are so busy. We don't know what are the good books out there. Maybe you would trust your favorite. Uh, authors and where, who you have been followed for a very long time, but sometimes we want to dig out more hidden gems. Sometimes、mm-hmm. there are a lot of emerging authors, writers.、Uh, they need some exposure. Maybe social media gives them a platform to shine, and if people can make money and monetize that traffic by bringing out more. Excellent cons- content. I think why not? So sometimes I found this、uh, book influencers are very interesting because they will broaden my ex. 
exploration scope because sometimes I will be fixed to certain authors, but they help me to uh, understand and learn more new books, new genres, and new categories, or just like. You you may be more inclusive. Sometimes we think, oh, reading romance fiction that is so lame. What can、mm-hmm. you learn from that?、Mm-hmm. But now some writers are getting more and more creative. You can learn a very specific knowledge in one regard by just reading those. Some people may think they're garbage, but like,、uh, yeah, you can learn something from even romance fictions. This、mm-hmm. is really eye opening because because as a cynic myself, I used to be a, a, a very bad cynic in my <laughs> in my younger years, and I from from the cynic perspective. Perspective. I would look at the irony of、uh, somebody looking for a book to read by going on these short video platforms, because we all know people go there seeking entertaining material.、Mm. I mean, you you get these canned laughters, you get these、uh, sound effects, and whenever I hear them, I get annoyed. So,、uh, so I I would be really put off. By the idea of going on short video platforms looking for serious content, but on the other hand, I mean,、uh, Huang Shen just really opened my eyes in the sense that、uh, yes, I mean these、uh, short videos, however simple and casual they are, they do provide extra insight or 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 an opportunity for you to explore. Well, yeah, and I think it depends on what kind of influencers we you look at. For example, there are some sort of book influencers who share they read about probably forty to fifty books a month. Well, I would put. A question mark on whether they actually read those books, but there are some influencers who can share some really helpful notes when it comes to reading. For example, I come across、uh, a sort of book influencer online, and she shared her way of reading War and Peace、mm-hmm. because you know War and Peace. No, it's it's just a very intimidating book. You know,、it、look、is. at the thickness of it, and some people who also want to read in a foreign language, for example, English, and you will be like, "How am I?" You could I... spend your lifetime reading. Yeah, how am I going to finish it? <laughs>、yeah. And where should I start? And she will share how you can plan out your reading schedules、mm-hmm. for the book. How, what 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 sort of goals you should have、mm-hmm. when you start to look at these serious and intimidating classic literature, and I think that's. Really helpful, and also a lot of people are starting really to look into those classics and thinking, you know, maybe it's not a really bad idea or cliche to reading to read those classics, and especially when they they were they are like a thousand pages long, and <laughs> I don't have to be afraid of getting started.、Mm-hmm. There is a way that I can finish. Right, like maybe you can follow the book influencer, like you do、uh, an exercise guru, or、uh, or an open course on Coursera. So you, they they may be able to provide you with that service where you could. Where they could help you plan out your reading schedule so that you can follow that schedule to finish a challenging book such as War and Peace. Exactly,、mm-hmm. and also they have like sort of online book clubs. Yeah, they call it they I a think, community. Read, yeah, read together with me, and they start to. You can follow that influencer、mm-hmm. who is a more experienced reader on, for example, for a month or two to finish. A recommended book by that influencer, but of course,、um, that influencer sometimes will promote some channels for you to buy that book. 
but I think it's a healthy way of monetize if it, there is really helpful. Right, right. And then we have time for maybe one last question. And and these days we can't talk about anything without referring to the AI. <laughs> so uh, you guys, uh, what do you think? I mean, do people are people reading more because they are feeling pressure coming from AI? And do you think reading more would actually help them help us build up our competitive strength against AI? Uh, yeah, that's a good point. And I think for we human beings, if we want to differentiate ourselves from AI, we have to be creative. Sometimes it's very hard to maintain and develop your critical thinking by reading. It will definitely give. It will give you that edge. And sometimes I think when you can find people who think alike, other bookworms in this cyber world, maybe you can form a community and exchange ideas. That will definitely benefit to your self growth. Mm-hmm. Hefei,、uh, what's your opinion? Ah,、uh, I'm not really sure. Like,、um, I I think a lot of people who are reading right now, especially the readers I came across online, they are、mm-hmm. mostly reading literature, like love stories or fictions. <gasps>、oh. And I'm not really sure. You know, AI technologies can help us with writing romance.、Um, maybe there are some formula or. Algorithm that can help AI to with that, but I think more and more people are probably reading for leisure to、mm-hmm. relieve their stresses and anxieties. So your opinion is more pessimistic as、yeah. compared to Huang Shan. Yeah, probably. <laughs> All right, so we're we're getting ready to move on. One last piece of information that is the bookstore industry is slowly recovering with sixty five point one two percent of bookstore sales increasing year on year in the year twenty twenty one. You're listening to Roundtable. Coming up in the second half of the show, we look into the case of employees feeling stressed or even guilty about asking for leave. Many of us have made the plans to travel extensively during the upcoming May Day holiday, and it would work so well if we could have a few extra days off before or after the long holiday. So, where we let the stress impede our master plan? Let us know your thoughts about rating and、uh, let us know about your thoughts by rating and reviewing us at Roundtable China on Apple Podcasts. Stay tuned for more interesting discussions on Roundtable. Thank you. I was born on the seventeenth of November. Delve into a world of words with books and beyond, a podcast made especially for audio book lovers. I came into the world as the youngest of five children. I wondered what Her Majesty would be like. Fie upon you, limpid one! Why have you taken? Immerse yourself in gripping stories and timeless classics. From the comfort of your own personal space, Sun Tzu underlined three points on the context game. There was、initiative. no better wine, and not to mention the. Whether you are a bookworm or a casual listener, our carefully curated selection of audio books will transport you to new worlds and stir your imagination. Subscribe to Books and Beyond and start your audio book adventure now on radio.cgtn.com. Or your favorite podcast app. Discussion keeps the world turning. This is Roundtable. You're listening to Roundtable and Lai Ming, joined by Huang Shan and Fei Fei in the studio. Coming up, some people say they feel hesitant. Or even shame when asking for time off from work, and this appears to be a global phenomenon. What could possibly be the reason behind such concerns, and should we do something to address this? 
And in this week's motivational Monday, we will, like each week, share a quote which gives us the energy and push to last the week. Now on roundtable, let's dive into the anxiety, shame, or guilt associated with taking time away from work. So、uh, let's do a quick survey here in the studio. Do any of you feel that shame or guilt when you want to ask for a leave, especially when we are planning the May Day holiday? It would be so nice if we have two days before the holiday or two days after that. So that'll drag the holiday ever longer and therefore accommodate your more ambitious plans. Well, I think it depends for me. For example, if I just want one or two days off, I don't really feel that kind of shame or guilt.、Mm-hmm. But for example, if I want to extend the holiday, for example, during the May Day holiday, we have five days off,、yeah. and then I want five days extra off, so probably two weeks off time. I I sometimes feel a little reluctant. Before I, you know, talk to my boss about I want two weeks off,、mm-hmm. because <laughs> frankly, you know, two weeks off that means a lot of my work gonna be transferred to another person, and what if that who is going to take over, and it does that mean more workload for my colleagues or even my boss him him or herself? So I I, I wouldn't ask for those two weeks straight off unless it's really necessary. I'll Probably gave a very legitimate reason, like I'm traveling a really long distance. I haven't taken any day off for a long time、Since、to sort、COVID. of to to sort of justify my my reasons of asking for two weeks off. Not、mm-hmm. only before before、uh, since the COVID, even before the COVID. Sort of, I need a justification for my two weeks off. Ours is an unusual business in the sense that the the radio wave doesn't go off. The radio wave doesn't go on holiday. I mean,、mm-hmm. it has to be filled twenty twenty four seven. So when one person goes off, I mean, there's、uh, for sure you have either you have to do it in beforehand, or somebody will, else will have to sitting in your place. I mean, this is our line of business, but maybe the, this wouldn't happen in other business.、Yeah. Hoshan, what would be your opinion on asking for a leave? I think it depends on the schedule, especially the arrangement in your team. Sometimes, if the team is super short-staffed, some、uh, to be honest, you will feel guilty of asking a day off because you know that if you cannot fulfill your workload, then that workload will be transferred to your coworkers.、Mm-hmm. Especially if you do value your coworkers and you really cherish that camaraderie, so then you will think、um, in this regard and trying to. Be nice and be responsible. The other concern is、uh, to echo Faith's earlier point. That is, sometimes asking one or two days off, that's not too bad.、Mm-hmm. But if you want to ask, let's say, a week off to、uh, add it up to another long holiday, which means in general you can take, let's say, two weeks off, it could be a big headache. And how would you talk to your boss?、Um, it also depends on the structure or the. Atmosphere in your corporate, and、uh, you have to have that communication and maybe even negotiation、mm. with your boss or your manager. Some people have been scared off by that confrontation.、Mm. They may think it's too troublesome. You know what? I'll just keep working until it's reaching a point that I have to take a very long holiday or vacation. 
And also, in terms of asking days off, there are several kinds of leave. So, are you asking for a sick leave, or you are just using your paid annual leave?、Mm-hmm. Or sometimes it could be、uh, coming from your personal issues.、Mm-hmm. I think that could be the hardest part:、um, how you can justify the reason that you just want to take a day off. Especially during the past few years, many people have experienced that workplace. Workplace burnout. Sometimes you do want to regain that balance between life and work. You may just want to give yourself a day off to take to take care of your mental health、mm. for your sanity. But it's not seriously speaking. It's not like a sick leave. However, you just want to recharge your batteries and with that day's time or several days' time. But how you can. Justify that request. That could be very hard for many employees.、Mm-hmm. So people claim that they suffer from the shame of asking for a leave, and this the word here is suffer. And when I look at this word, my、uh, my question、uh, would pop up in my mind. That is, what how, in what ways are they suffering? I was thinking maybe they would suffer economically from taking days off, from losing bonus.、Mm-hmm. Maybe they are. Uh, they will suffer socially, like Huang Shan described earlier. If you care about your relationship with、mm. your coworkers, who will end up taking up、uh, whatever job you left you leave behind, then you might stand to suffer、uh, socially. But from your both of your guys' descriptions, I I think、uh, you guys are more or less concerned with the the internal、uh, friction part of the、uh, the issue. Mm, exactly, and and also I think there are also people concerned with even when they take a several days off, they still have to work during those days off because with social media and all those different technologies to reach you, there is basically no way that you can just shut out, shut shut down all your coworkers and work related messages. You you still have to answer back to those messages. So some people say, you know, why bother taking those days off、mm-hmm. since I'm, I will still have to work during holidays. That you know that means that that sometimes is worse, feels worse than working in my office. So that also also I think、um, is. Sort of tied with people's reluctance of asking leaves as well is that there is the 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 different the line between work and life has become blurry day by day as our technology advanced. So that's also one of the reasons, and I think another reason is that. Uh, it probably happened in a in a number of companies is that the boss him or herself are not happy to see people's leaves、mm. proposals like I want to have certain days leave、uh, certain days off and then the boss him or herself sometimes would think you know that person. Is not working hard enough. You know. This could really happen. I mean,、yeah. even though、uh, in corporate management there could be、uh, um, provisions on how many days of paid leaves people are entitled to, still certain individuals in the management position might feel, due to their own productivity、uh, or their own preferences, look at this issue through、uh, tinted glasses. I mean, that's certainly one of the issue. But again, I think the, the 
the concerns that people have, uh, I think, might range uh, from um, salary economic reasons to uh, social and uh, even uh, with regard to the prospect of, the, of their future career. So a whole range of issues might come into play when people feel reluctant or, or shameful when they ask for a leave. But I think if we really want to address the issue, we should really uh, try and uh, analyze the situation. And perhaps I think there are two ways to, to look at, at least two ways to look at this issue. We could look at this um, phenomena from the perspective of the employee, what they are concerned with and what they can do out of these concerns. And then perhaps on the other hand, we could look at this issue from the perspective of the employers. I mean, what are uh, pe people supposed to do when they're in management positions? Mm -hmm. What kind of culture they would like to uh, generate and, and maintain uh, at the workplace? And so these are very interesting issues. So specifically pertaining to salary deduction concerns. I mean, I think if there is a, a, a government policy or there's a, a company policy saying, um, Fei-Fei, you're entitled to 15 days paid leave, then I, th I don't think an employee should be overly concerned about this. But it still means that if you are taking a really long time off, for example, two weeks or even a whole month off, that means, especially for a lot of jobs who really are paid depending on their work performance. If you are not working, you are not going to get that extra bonus on your performance. Which is quite reasonable, right? That's true, that's true. But it, there's still some people who still want that 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 part of money and that's you want your pie and, and you want your cake and eat it too yes exactly so that's one of the concerns i think a lot of workers i have but i think if when it comes to you know laws and regulations um we we do offer people like paid leaves for certain days several several i'm not sure a couple of days depending on how, how long you work but um i think most of the cases is that a lot of companies are um, having, I think, concerns when it comes to um, fulfill that kind of responsibilities defined by the law. Well, I, I would say probably is a different mindset of management is that a lot of the management think when workers are taking days off, mm -hmm. that means there is no productivity coming from those workers. That means loss for the company. But is that really true? I think that's the question why a lot of the management are having concerns when people are taking days off. Is that they're worried if those workers leave, that means my company is going to suffer some losses. But I mean, for a lot of jobs, when people are taking leaves and going out, exploring to different places, seeing new things, that doesn't mean that's going to not pay back to their creativity and productivity at work. Well, I, I would think you are referring to office workers who may or may not have to uh, define the workload based on how many papers they finish or because mm. you know, really i mean uh, for creative for the creative industry I, it really pays off to allow employees to go travel the world and see the world and then therefore have more interesting and innovative ideas but if you asked the management of a factory floor where if one factory worker takes a leave and and be uh, excused from the production line, then you're facing real tangible loss in productivity. But that also means if that worker takes have enough time for rest, that also means when he or she come back to work, 
you know, physically, mentally, they are more prepared for more stress and more workloads. So that, that's a bit idealistic. I mean, I would assume everyone to do their due. Mm-hmm. There and, and and that's it. I mean, you seldom see everyone in, at one workplace do the maximum capability. I mean, the idea of oh, this this worker would take a few days off and then come back uh, at five hundred percent of the original productivity. I mean, that's just not ideal. That's just not realistic. Yeah,、mm. but I do think for people. They should realize one point that is like vacation is part of your compensation and your benefit package. Benefits package because you have to take some days off because we are human beings. We are not robots, right? No, we. So、not. you do need to give yourself a physical or mental break to recharge,、uh, to heal yourself, and sometimes better for your mental, emotional well-being. That's for sure. I do understand a part of the.、Uh, Structure of salary because I know for so many occupations when it comes to the calculation of how much money you can get each month, maybe、um, the basic salary is the minimum,、mm-hmm. and some jobs they requires you to prove、um, your performance in、What's、order to performance pay and then yes, bonus pay in exchange for the bonus or、uh, the rewards or whatever. So then, if you cannot make sure you are attending. The shifts、um, fully for a month, then it's very hard to justify for that、uh, extra bonus. Sometimes、um, your attendance rate is very, very important. If you fail to show up at your work a hundred percent, that it may have an impact on your salary. What's more, I would say the corporate culture has a role to play here. Right. Because sometimes, let's say. If the general atmosphere is very encouraging, then your boss or your supervisor would like to encourage you to take days off to、uh, recharge yourself. Then I think it's a very healthy、uh, behavior, or it's a very healthy environment to empower you of asking days off. Otherwise, you might feel it is quite intimidating. Of making that proposal, and sometimes not only in China but in America as well, because earlier we talked about this is a universal issue.、Mm-hmm. I think America is also among the countries that is famous for its employees are reluctant、mm-hmm. to take days off.、Mm-hmm. That's the reason why、uh, people are saying, you know, sometimes we have been overwhelmed by that belief that working as much as possible is worn as a badge of honor. So when you know. The workplace is very competitive. You are afraid of losing your position, especially if you are in a very key position. You will be worried about will someone replace me, or、um, you know, will this have an impact on my further promotion?、Uh, so some people are reluctant to take days off.、Um, very interesting. There is a 2019 study showed that U.S. conservatives and liberals alike. Both believed equally in the importance of working hard to achieve success. So, if you interpret the notion of working hard to you have to be in the office every day without、hmm. taking a day off, then very likely you are not in any.、Um, You you won't find passionate of taking days off, and sometimes you may have that misunderstanding that you. Are indispensable, but in reality, everyone can be replaced. So you need to take care of your own health first. That's that's very interesting perspective. I think you just reminded me to think outside the box in the sense that、uh, when we when it comes to a discussion about 
the cost of asking for leave. Sometimes elements outside of the workplace is also uh, at play. Are also at play. For instance, uh, according to a 2018 report by the U.S. Travel Association, 61% of employees cite the fear of looking replaceable as the biggest reason for not using all of their vacation time. So that this re- report was done at a time when、uh, the U.S. economy was still rebounding. If you ask the same employees today, where the U.S. is going through a labor shortage, maybe the the the, the results might be、uh, slightly different.、Mm. Likewise, I mean the cultural element is is there as well. Huang Shan just mentions something about it. And in the U.S., people culturally believe that if you want to look、uh, or if you want to show that you work hard, it's, it's best that you stay in the office every day. So that cultural thing might also be at play. Um, but at the end of the day, I think the、um, the employees have a, a role to play in in sense in the sense of what kind of workplace or what kind of workplace culture they would like to foster、uh, where they are. I mean that's quite interesting. If this is a, let's say an an office job, and the employer、uh, really wants to. Once a result-oriented、uh, evaluation of the employees, then I th- suppose that the individual culture within that workplace might be friendly to pe- employees who want to ask for a leave, because、uh, one could think that oh, I could work very hard for a short period of time to complete all the all that's required of me for this month, so that I can take reassuredly a, a leave somewhere. And I think it also is you know taking leaves in some. Aspect is also kind of a teamwork. Yeah, you know when when if you especially in our line of work. Yeah, especially <laughs> you know in in radio in media. Like when your team, everyone in your team is really stressful and their work limit, their workloads are reaching to a limit. You know that happens when a lot of news or a lot of events are happening, and. Then you want to have a week off. Really, I, I think that means a lot of your work will be transferred to the stressed, already stressed coworkers of you.、Mm-hmm. But when everyone is working really hard for a period of time, and then each one of them start to take leaves one by one, so that you know when you take the leaves, I can help you out with your workloads.、Mm-hmm. And then when it's my turn, when I worked really hard for one or two months, and I want to have several days off, then of course my coworkers would be happy to take over some、mm-hmm. of my workloads. It's more of a teamwork that you don't really have to discuss it or work out a plan. Or schedule of taking leaves is more of、uh, you know people are willing to look at what your coworkers are having in their hands at the moment and what you need to do as a team member. Yeah, and I'm sure this situation we are facing is not unique only to us. I think、mm-hmm. a lot of industries people are、uh, facing the same situation where they have to go through a lot of teamwork and where they、uh, stand to. Well, to incur a lot of changes at the workplace if if they were to take a leave, and therefore,、uh, I think in this particular regard, it's important for individual employees to really pay attention、uh, on a daily basis to the work of the of the team, and also to foster a great relationship with、uh, whoever they're working with. In that sense,、uh, that'll make it easier when it comes to、uh, this critical point where he or she will have to ask for a leave. Likewise, I think the relationship with the boss is also Also the same. I mean, in, in some cases, people look at this in,、uh, individually or isolated case. I mean, this is simply me asking for a leave. But、uh, in in a broader perspective,、uh, a lot of a lot of the 
times uh, it it harkens on harkens back to the kind of relationship or the kind of trust you have with your employer. Uh, Some might find it easier to ask for a leave by talking uh, or going into the employer's office. Some might find it harder because they haven't spent enough time uh, getting to know about their job, their employer's preferences, and what is required of their specific jobs. Exactly. And also, I think some people, especially young workers, they also need to understand the different kinds of leaves that you, you, you are entitled to. Uh, I've, I've encountered some of my co-workers who just started to work mm-hmm. and they want to ask some days off. And when the supervisors checked with him or her, you know, what kind of leaves you're asking for, you know, sick leave or paid leave or, uh, you know, that, that worker doesn't really have a clue of what kind of types of leaves we have. Yeah, so you need case. to pay attention to, you know, the system that your corporate is running based on and how you need to do, you, you need to, you know, do your duty and know your things before you propose, I want to one one week or two weeks or even a whole month off. Figure it out. Look for solutions instead of asking people to find you a solution. You're listening to Roundtable up next, Motivational Monday. This is Roundtable's Motivational Monday. <laughs> so this week, we, we uh, let's begin with uh, Fefe. Yeah, I have a quote from a novel called A Gentleman in Moscow. And in that book, there is a quote reads, At the age of 64, he was wise enough to know that life does not proceed by leaps and bounds. It unfolds. At any given moment, it is the manifestation of a thousand transitions. Our faculties wax and wane, our experiences accumulate, and our opinions evolve, if not graciously, then at least gradually, such that the events of an average day are as likely to transform who we are as a pinch of pepper is to transform a stew. And that, I think, depicts that changes do not happen with a tap of your finger. It really happens with a lot of repetition and sometimes struggles day by day. And when I think for a lot of people, they are starting to feel really miserable, stressed out or to the limit of burnt out, the bright side of it is that maybe you are actually changing or adapting to new changes or you are growing. So it's not a bad thing to you if you start to feel miserable in your life and but don't expect and also don't expect change to happen the next day you have to give it some time like um, in our workout routines that a lot of people in weightlifting or bodybuilding they look at changes in their body not in months or days Mm -hmm. they look at the changes in years or sometimes decades Mm -hmm. you want to achieve what you look online, you know, on those really um, fit body, that means years and decades of work, really hard planning and working out. So as workout with any tasks in life, with any goals in life, it also happens with small steps every day. And also um, don't 
when we are talking about you need to have a long-term goal, but I think、mm-hmm. to have short-term goals sometimes is more important than the long-time goals because what you do every day, how you run your daily routine, what you want to achieve today and tomorrow, actually alter your long-term goals. So look out the steps ahead. Sometimes is more important to look into. You know, ten years later, or even longer than that. Quite interesting, and that's your interpretation from this quote. I mean, my takeaway is that there are so many factors at play in life that you、uh, yourself is only one part of it. So don't worry about not seeing the results when you put in the effort. I mean, sometimes the efforts will only manifest uh, uh, itself in results、uh, many years later. Exactly, like the pepper industry.、Mm-hmm. Huang Shan, what would be your motivational Monday today? Today, my motivational quote comes from the dating series called Indian Matchmaking.、Ooh. Although on the surface, <laughs> I know this show may come across as people dating around. Underneath this veneer is chicken soup for men and women、uh, in their mid to late thirties navigating a third life crisis. So one heroine in the series is called Rushali, who is a former Miss India finalist Ooh, who is struggling gorgeous, to、huh? yeah to balance dating with her parents with finding love later. She speaks to a life coach, Dr. Vaka, who makes her realize that in finding love, she's aiming for perfection, which is impossible.、Mm. So I like her quote that is like during the consultation,、uh, this beauty said that you know I have a notion for perfect daughter, perfect wife, perfect girlfriend. These notions are in my head. It's okay to be imperfect. You don't have to be perfect all the time. So I I'm inspired by this quote because I think. The life coach later explains that we all create fantasies, especially a fantasy of what love should be, and then people realize that reality does not match fantasy. Moreover, I think me women nowadays, they are like they want to bring out their full potential, and many of them are overachievers. They're fiercely competitive and ambitious, as they want to ace every role. So. For perfectionists, while juggling between multiple roles and responsibilities, they might be overwhelmed by a plethora of expectations. So I think if we focus on the aspect of finding a suitable partner here, you have to be realistic. What's more, take care of your own feelings. Don't think about what other people are thinking about you. And also, I think sometimes this lady is like many women on. In real life, self-accomplished and confident, they're not finding their other half to be complete. You know, the lady later learns that you should marry only once you have fulfilled life. Then you can be even more fulfilled with the partner. And at the end of the day, we'll be the kings and queens of our own world. Right. It's nice to have a goal in life, obviously. I mean, but at the end of the, of the day, the quality of your life might depend on. How flexible you are in dealing with all kinds of changes and, and situations that you have to face. My quote this week is from the book I've been reading, and、uh, it's in Chinese. I've done a translation of the quote here. Information is complicated and always changing. The continuous collection and analysis of information require a large investment of resources, which is by no means a small cost. Therefore, those who have an advantage. Those who have an advantage in information, or those who can acquire information at a relatively lower cost, will have an edge in decision making.
Now, this is a line from the book Embedded Power: Chinese Government and Economic Development, or in Chinese, 置身事内中国政府与经济发展 by Professor Lan Xiaohuan with the School of Economics, Fudan University. This is a great book if you wish to understand the role of the government in Chinese economy. He's using this line to explain the division of labor between central and regional government, and in any organization that requires division of labor. So. I'm afraid that's all the time we have for this episode of Roundtable. If you like to hear more from us, find Roundtable China on our website radio.cgtn.com and all major podcasting platforms at Roundtable China. Remember.